myself saw him almost every night drink 7,000 calories worth of alcohol. Say 20 to 25 beers, maybe four bottles of wine, usually several mixed drinks. Brother, I was with him one night when he drank 106 beers. 106. Yeah. That's Andre the Giant, brother. Andre was a big drinker after the matches. Most wrestlers would like maybe have a six pack and Andre, the minimum that he would ever have was 24. He liked the wine. He'd have him bring in a case to start the day, a case of wine. We go to this hotel I mean, drinking and drinking and drinking, and all of a sudden, now we're starting to go to bed. And we get close to the elevator, Andre drops. And the manager of the hotel says, what are you going to do? I says, call AAA, that's all I can tell you. I was there. I did, wasn't there for the drinking. I was there the next morning in the lobby when he's still sleeping on the floor. Nobody could keep up with him. No, I don't, I don't care who you were. good you do good we, do we need i'm always good are we gonna have like mosquito issues or anything being out here i don't know that's that's uh, that's your problem i didn't I know we're gonna be outside it's i don't get bit by mosquitoes I t- tad nipply i wasn't sure exactly how much zika i wanted to have today but i i don't think there's mosquitoes it's too early in the year for mosquitoes it's science <laughs> thanks mr almanac <laughs> All right, welcome to episode eighty-two of Tell Me Where to Turn. This this episode studies the playbook. Jim <laughs> Rat knows just where to stand. Gets passionate wide receivers cut. Yeah, he's what we like to call part of the uh, what is it inner circle? Is that right? I think so. I think he's part of the, the part ba- of the basketball bunch. This, this episode's part of leadership. As it were. Now that's choice. This this episode's not going to be real flashy. No. no it's no. going to be dependable. Right. It's going to catch everything you throw at it. It's going to turn up field at all times. Eh. <laughs> it's probably going to catch and just kind of stand up straight and get driven back seven yards. <laughs> Never going to be brought to the ground, though. Well, you can find our show, Tell Me Where to Turn, on Twitter, at Where to Turn Pod. And you can find me at Tommy2 underscore zero. You can find me at Glenn three underscore eleven. You can find me at Point Break underscore Dave. And we are here at Tommy Studios outside version, Studio B, as we like to call it. This is really in the summertime. This is Studio A, pretty much. True. Why don't we have baseball on? Yeah. So I didn't get a chance to. I like baseball. So what I have to do with that TV during the winter is I have to unhook unhook it. Sounds complicated. I'm already out. If well, not not, me. not unhook it. I have to unplug it because there's a um, there's a temperature regulator inside the TV. God, so if you're you, wealthy, <laughs> so if you leave it plugged in during <laughs> during freezing temperatures, it will overcompensate trying to keep itself warm. But it's kind of like Point Break Dave at Devil's Bowl Speedway. It doesn't like being cold, but it also doesn't say anything about it. So yeah, I didn't get a chance to uh, to reconnect everything for the uh, for the beautiful springtime weather, but I promise next week when we're here next week there will be baseball, wrestling, or racing on the TV. Your outdoor TV as a temperature regulator. All actually, all TVs basically have one. Is it Wi-Fi enabled? Can we hack in? Did you hear that the, story, Glenn? The TV or the temperature regulator itself is no, Wi-Fi enabled. Glenn, there was. Uh, Vegas Casino got their high roller database hacked because hackers logged in through the Wi-Fi enabled temperature regulator in the aquarium of the hotel. It was Wi-Fi <laughs> enabled, so they didn't have to like go in there and manually adjust it, and that's how they got in. 
you look skeptical. Is this at the Mandalay Bay? Because they don't need any more bad press. <laughs> Not everything bad happens at the Mandalay Bay. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes things bad happen at the Aria. <laughs> Ask Tommy. That's true. I can think of one thing that happened there one yeah, time. Yeah, 58 people didn't die, but no, a lot of true. our souls did that night. That's true. The um, Have you ever heard the term the Internet of Things? I have heard that term. My, yes. my business uses that term. <laughs> there's no way. Your business only uses that term like in the context of somebody saying, like, there's no way that's actually... <laughs> <laughs> no, they really do. With a lot of stuff that they develop that most employees look at and they're like, why are we wasting our money on this? Why don't we just pay ourselves more? <laughs> <laughs> so, for instance, my home here at Tommy Mansion... Dot two point zero. I have a Wi-Fi enabled thermostat on my wall, so any enterprising hacker could easily defeat whatever whatever um, limited firewall is. Not in a front whole of lot that. of encryption on there. Correct, and uh, and yeah, and access my home network, and I don't know what they'd find. They could It'd be like, man, turn, turn man this up. guy loves wrestling. <laughs> turn it up to like. 90 degrees in the middle of the night. <laughs> just make you real mad. <laughs> that would be kind of a good, like, long gimmick is just just make it just slightly uncomfortable every night, but yeah, not enough might, that I get suspicious, just that find it, a guy, it gets aggravating. Yeah, find a guy that can yeah put up to about what would be annoying, about 73 degrees. Would that be annoying for you in the summertime or... Oh no! A little warmer 70, than that. 70, yeah, like seventy-eight would be annoying. Seventy-eight. Yeah, en- enough for your your sweating. Hack into your TV regulator and just set it to basketball. <laughs> we find you with the the belt slung over the door frame. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know all those summer basketball games. You got to watch out for those. Hey, summer league. Yeah. No doubt. Speaking of uh, fringe sports, the Vegas Golden Knights are on to round two of the NHL playoffs. An expansion team in their first year, a, a legitimate expansion team, not a relocated team from a trash city like Atlanta, but a legit expansion wow. team swept the L.A. Kings. On, on the backs of a few former stars. Dude. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's a sad day. Blake Sloan. Neil Broughton. Pat wow. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the I'm surprised you pulled out either of those names. Paul Cavallini. Derek Plant scored a hat trick. I wasn't really sure there was still an NHL, so the fact that Vegas has a team is a total shock to me. You know, the the Vegas flu is a real thing. They had one of the best home ice records in the world because these teams would in come... In the world, huh? <laughs> it's, it's the National Hockey League, not the International Hockey League. I'm so stupid. I just, oh my gosh, I'm terrible. No, the visiting teams would come there and go to the, you know, late night Pygow game or whatever and... Then they'd forget they have a hockey game the next night or later that day, and next thing you know, it's like... Scrambling into the arena. I mean, how many bad nights have we had in Vegas? Can you imagine, like, if you're at your worst, your lowest Vegas moment, and then somebody comes and is like, hey, your hockey game starts in 15 minutes. We need you. Glenn would just be like, uh, that's I. Right. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, take, the, this, take this night the, off. The whiskey couldn't melt. No. Hey, can we uh, can we shut the door on on Waco once and for all? Yeah, Maybe we just can, little little conclusion. We can do that as this week uh, marks the We're shut the door. We're just gonna like slam a pile of ashes. <laughs> no, wait, you're not talking about the series finale of Fixer Upper from last week, are you? Well, we can we could get to that. Okay, but just uh, you're talking about Branch talking about Davidian. The Branch Waco? Davidians will finally extinguish that story. 25-year anniversary, and this week marks what Dave always sends me as his holy trinity of the Branch Davidians, the Oklahoma City bombing, and the Columbine massacre is this week. Wow. Very offensive. Why does Dave say offensive stuff like that? So (laughs) I haven't either had or made the time to really look into detail to any uh, conspiracy-type theories about the fire and all that other than the basic stuff that we that we covered so you're calling for a segment and you have done no research on anything uh, you're about to talk about minimal minimal research but i did it's about par for the show find a couple things i mean it's what we do we talk in detail about things we go into no detail to to research 
<laughs> but I did find uh, Taylor Kitsch, who starred as David Koresh in the uh, in the show. He lost thirty pounds to play the role. I think all muscle. I'm sure. I'm I'm sure he lost weight up to the when they first started filming, and then he lost like an additional ten pounds during the course of. To well, yeah, because they didn't have any milk. Exactly, they didn't have milk. You got to have milk to get protein. Um, but one thing that stood out, for one, his recollection was he was twelve when the the when it burned to the ground. So all he remembers is just a giant building being on fire. That's really all that he could recall, just from his his childhood. But I guess it was revealed. At some point in time during ACL in 2017, that he was going to do the show, and so he's talking to various people, you know, in the area or whatever. And a guy confronted him about being on the show, and he confronted him because Taylor Kitsch was faced with someone who had a firm belief that the entire thing was a false flag and never occurred. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and he just listened and he just in the the interview in the article he just said, you know, hey, I guess some people just have their own reality and their own take on things, but he he was in disbelief that someone legitimately was of the opinion that the entire event was staged and never took place. So he thought that the they just the compound was like a sound stage or something? Like you can go see where it stood. This doesn't go into detail. Okay. So he lost he lost the weight. He also had to learn. He didn't know how to play guitar. Before this, so he had to learn how to play guitar. Uh, and he portrayed it pretty well because he even comments that, that David was an okay singer but a really solid guitarist. <laughs> I think anybody who watched the show could have picked that up. So After the I Still Believe he, solo. <laughs> he picked up a guitar and had lessons two to three times a week. Um, let's see. And the guy that he was was giving him the lessons had actually met David Koresh before, which is just a weird coincidence because it was just a random guy that he was having guitar lessons with. So anyway, <laughs> that's the Taylor Kitsch note. I guess you didn't see him at ACL in 2017. I was there, but I didn't see him. It's probably a good thing you didn't run into him. Well, you know, I did lose track of my wife every day for you about did. four hours during the day. <laughs> had you run into him, you would, you would live alone right now. <laughs> which I guess... Spin zone, if you'd run into him, you'd live alone right now. It's not so bad. Um, the only other things I found in my very brief research, I the source that many, the autopsies, autopsies, excuse me, of many of the children found that they either had bullet wounds or stab wounds. Oh. But I, I didn't I like verify the source of website that was telling me that. So, because everything else I found confirmed what we discussed before, that either blunt force trauma from pieces of the building falling on them or from essentially smoke inhalation or suffocation. Although, well, it was the same site that said that there were some kids that may have been mercy killed mm. also were found in that like the state of their body was similar. If somebody had cyanide poisoning, which could have been from exposure to the gas. Man. So Merry Christmas. Yeah. Merry happy uh, Hanukkah to everybody. Um, did you, I don't know, I didn't look this up, but speaking of his weight loss, did the Branch Davidians have any weird dietary restrictions or anything? I didn't see anything. Well, they didn't drink alcohol, we know that. But they were an offshoot. weird. I mean, it's very It's a dietary than. restriction. Oh, okay. Weren't they an offshoot of the Seventh-day Adventists? And I feel like they do yeah. have dietary restrictions. But that... An offshoot meaning the Seventh Day Adventists were like, please don't be a part of our church anymore. That type of offshoot. They like were a like real fringe. The Branch Davidians, real fringe version of Christianity was like, we don't want anything to do with the, this guy. the Branch Davidians. Were the Des Bryant of the Seventh Day Adventist Church? Has that ever been said before? I bet you that that was the first time that analogy's ever been used. I feel pretty confident in stating that. So we know they like go-karts. <laughs> they do like go-karts. But the false flag thing, I don't get it. Like, what, what's the motivation? I mean, was it 
to defeat like <laughs> building something prominently out of wood. I mean, what's the what's the end game? Yeah, say not to give credence to other false flag reports, but at least you ha- they have an end game. Like you could see where yeah. they would why it would be advantageous for somebody to false flag something. <laughs> the French civilians, I don't think there is. Now, that, keep in mind, this is one guy. This is not a. It might have been something to do with building codes. I don't know. Or or faction, by any means. Watch out for that balsa wood construction. (laughs) (laughs) So that's all I have have about Waco. The end. Well, speaking of other tragedies that may or may not have involved some fire, there was a little incident in the sky this week. It had been pretty well covered. I'm not making a joke about this. I'm not not looking for... uh, Listen... If any jokes need to be made on this show, I'll take care of it, okay? That's my role in this Fair thing. enough. But there's a, uh, there's a group text between myself and my father, and oddly enough, Point Break Dave, because he really likes talking to my dad for some reason. My dad had a lengthy background and career in the uh, aviation industry. In fact, uh, is a certified jet engine mechanic. So I thought, you know, he might find this story interesting. In fact, it turns out I was breaking the breaking the news to him about the, uh, about the incident. So we're discussing it on text back and forth and Dave's kind of laying out not saying much. And I said, yeah, the, uh, you know, the, the turbine came apart and pierced the shield and it broke the, uh, the window of the plane and the lady got, you know, half sucked out of the plane. And we haven't heard anything from Dave. We've been trading texts and all of a sudden Dave pipes up and he's like, yeah, if I'd have been sitting there, I wouldn't have got sucked out. (laughs) So right now, I want you to explain why you felt the need to make that claim, that you would not have been sucked out of the plane if you had been sitting there. I'm just intrigued that from a text, Tommy somehow knew the voice inflection (laughs) and the cocky sniff at the end. I think I nailed it. I do have a question, though, about that. Well, yeah, it's just a hypothetical scenario. Like, what... What do we think her positioning was? Do we think she was? Do they or does anybody has anybody opined as to whether she was just sitting up straight? Does anybody that was around her was she leaning against the window when it like broke? And I would imagine she was probably sitting up straight. Yeah, but I, I think when that happens, the amount of suction force is so overwhelming that it wouldn't have really mattered. Like it's gonna. But well, unless Dave was sitting there, obviously. But any normal person, it's going to grab and, and just try to take. Are we you assuming out. that she head was out of the plane? Uh, yeah, it was. In fact, the um, I don't know if it's the coroner or, or what, but the, it was pretty much confirmed today that her cause of death was blunt force yeah. trauma. So if there so, was some speculation that she might have had a heart attack or suffocated, but that was not the case. It was um, it was traumatic. So if she'd been positioned where just another part of her body had been sucked out, non head. She should have been okay. Man, I don't know. I mean, you're you're exposing your body to whatever 500 mile an hour winds at 30,000 feet. I think you, you're in bad shape no matter which way you go out. So what do you think happens if, let's say he, she just happened to be like leaning forward and then the window busts open and it sucks her like arm and shoulder out and your arm is just extended into, I mean, is that, is that going to tear your arm off? Or do you think it would just break it? I think so, but I'm not. I mean, I'm I'm no anatomy uh, expert, but I I would think so. Yeah, I'm I mean, only offering are, questions, are, no answers here. What is the temperature outside at thirty thousand feet? It's like negative a million. There could be some frostbite in play. So, I I didn't read much of the story. So was it a window or did it just? Hit the cabin. No, it was the actual window that it came was a out. Window. So the hole, had it like been that the, size I mean, hole? If the cabin had blown open, we'd have a lot more than one. Casualty. Well, and there is yeah. a, there is a theory out there that her being sucked into the window might have saved a lot of the rest of the plane because you know if you think about the forces that are that are going to be pulling on that window, it could have continued to break apart more of the plane. Yeah. So she might, you know, might have been an un, you know, unknowing savior to the rest of the people right. on the plane. And it was sucked all the the pressure and the oxygen out of there too. Yeah. Cuz cuz I do believe that the passengers felt the need to try to plug the hole after she was yeah. out, including a guy apparently just putting his back to yep. the I think they stuffed. I think that would have been Glenn's role in this thing. <laughs> is he would have said like, "Look, I've been training for this my whole life." <laughs> Anybody heard the story of Samson? <laughs> 
These lats are practically wings <laughs> yeah. anyway. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. And then if it starts to break apart, I'll just break the whole thing apart so we don't there's no drama. But we'll I kinda wonder though, once. you know, so she's she's stuck in this window, you know, being I guess being sucked out, but at some point, you know, I, I think she's sucked all the way out if the the space is bigger, right? So she gets sucked up to a point where her body's like literally wedged in the hole where she can't get sucked the rest of the way out. And the passengers are frantically trying to pull her back in. I wonder if there's anybody on the plane going like Okay, <laughs> sure we want to do that, folks. Uh, and would that have been Glenn's role as well? To uh, say, guys, hey. Apparently, the scene though was everybody remained very calm considering the situation. Yeah, I've, I've I find that thing. hard to believe. I mean, that's all witness reports. If you've ever been in like a any kind of setting where anything mildly like a tornado siren or anything like everyone. I don't have a lot of confidence in the general public remaining calm in situations. I think it's weird, but I think it doesn't happen like it does in the movies. I think when it really it's comes down so to reality, bizarre everybody's in such denial, and it's such a st- strange situation. Yeah. Not that this is even remotely comparable, but the one experience I have of something unique happening where when it happens in a movie is totally different was when I was up at the, the Windstar Casino during a really bad thunderstorm. No way. <laughs> And all of the power in the casino went out, so where complete blackness, everything turns off. And, you know, I mean, if you remember that scene in Ocean's Eleven, I think, like, as soon as that happens, everybody's grabbing money and there's pandemonium, and it was like the biggest non-event. Everybody everybody just kind of stood there and looked at each other and was like, huh, power's out. You know, nobody nobody went diving for the chips or the cage. You know, it was just, it was like a total... Dud, and then you know, ninety seconds later, the power comes back on, and everybody's like, "Huh, all right, keep gambling." You know, well, it's you're like not no big deal. You're not to be able to grab anything, and get out of there. The rules aren't the same there as they are like in Vegas, <laughs> where if you get out of the door, like the casino can't get you. It's it's Las Vegas PD at that point. I don't think it works the same way at the Windstar. No, I think the chief has. I think pretty, pretty broad jurisdiction. I, th- <laughs> I think as you're going out. To the SUV or the Silverado, you're outrunning a set of arrows that are <laughs> quickly running you down. But the reason I, I told that humorous anecdote is to say that I, I think that the way people react in those situations is probably a lot less dramatic than it would appear in the movies. Hold on, so we're talking about the Windstar now, right? I'm, I'm trying to figure out what you're referring to when you say, that's why I shared that humorous anecdote. <laughs> Tell you, they said there was people on the plane that were shouting encouragements. That would have been my role. To who? Just in general? Yeah, they, people were like, people like Sam being like, "It's gonna be okay. We're gonna make it. We're gonna get through this." That would have been what I was doing. So Glenn's backed up to the window. Dave's standing there, going, "Ah, I wouldn't even got sucked out that far." <laughs> and I would have been shouting encouragements. That would have been how we would have played this thing. I think what we and need- imagine the n- number of listeners we'd have had the next show. <laughs> That would have been like right up there with the Gustav episode. Yeah. See, I'm not going to make any jokes, but that's what we could have done. I could have blocked the window. I could have said, hey, here's where the show's Twitter is. We're on iTunes. I'm going to need everybody to subscribe. Hold up your phones. I know you've got them on, even though you're not supposed to. I don't see subscriptions. I'm just going to have to back away from this window. So, so hypothetically, so we'll, let's play this out a step further. So say this actually does happen. So we're on the plane, all three of us. We're intimately involved in the situation. So we get off the plane. And now we're getting offers. So they want Glenn to go on, you know, Nightline in 2020. They're offering you money. Do we, as a show, have solidarity and say, no, we are not telling our story except on our podcast. And if you want to hear it, you have to download our podcast as a way to hopefully leverage this into a bigger career, or do we sell out and take the easy money and go on uh, with uh, Scott Pelly later that night? I will have reached out to Sports Radio <laughs> 1310, the ticket, within 10 minutes of getting on the ground to say, <laughs> I was on the plane, I'm willing to talk about my story. But only if you let, only if you let me promote my podcast. <laughs> but yes, I get to mention my podcast. That's my one rule. Here's how it plays out. <laughs> and then they're going to say no. I'll be like, all right, that's fine. I'll just come on anyway. Here's how it plays out. Glenn, in his massive lats, saved the day. He's a media darling. He gets on all the shows, you know, spits out a, a plug for the podcast. 
he's the media darling for 24 hours and then people go back and listen to it and then he's outcast forever. <laughs> he gets fired. He's like he's like Ken Bone. Everybody's real into him and then they go back through his Twitter timeline and they're like, oh, it's just, this yeah. guy. Just every hashtag that's been popular over the last year for various causes is attached to me. Oh, pretty much. That's a tough one. Well, speaking of sports radio... 1310 did you guys did you guys listen this morning when when gordo was talking about uh, Man- manhood food safety oh food safe food safety yeah i didn't get to hear any of this morning no i did not it was it was a fairly funny discussion to me but it was it, he it was gordo talking about how his mom had this uh fear of eggs you know being contaminated and how she would you know make them wash their hands every time they cracked an egg and just this whole big food safety around eggs and then george is going like yeah i don't I crack an egg and just keep going like i've never washed my hands before have you guys ever eaten a raw egg no like the rocky yeah no that sounds terrible it's just weird it's not really disgusting like taste wise it just it's a, just a weird i wouldn't i wouldn't do it again i almost vomited just because it felt just so weird yeah, swallowing yeah. the whole thing but they were that's just a side note that's <laughs> okay that's a good side note Mark that last <laughs> statement, too. <laughs> Best of for year three. <laughs> We're never doing that again. No. They they sh- shared some funny stories about like how Gordo said like they would go out to dinner with his mom, and if somebody ordered like a steak rare, like she wouldn't even talk to him the rest of the meal because she was so worried about like their health. Well, her reputation, she was paranoid about all kinds right. of things. The Moonies, devil worshippers, right. just but it. It reminded me of a story and I wanted to tell you guys that happened when I was in college that was so the, – the food safety violation was so shocking uh, that I, wa- I, I, I wanted to call in this morning, but I was in my car and, they, and I was like, ah, I can't do it. But, but this is what my roommate in college did. So you know how they talk about people that go to college and just don't have any concept of you know, how to exist apart from their parents? You know, they can't do – they don't know how to turn on a washing machine or fill up their car with gas or anything like that. So my roommate, um, I guess his parents had always cooked for him, so he had no idea about food handling or food safety. And he was a, uh, he wasn't a bodybuilder, but he was trying to get into like fitness and exercise. So he he went to United the supermarket, and he bought like what, chicken breast, like raw chicken breast, in a bag, you know, in a in a plastic bag. Man, this is so. This is what I don't he feel does. Like this is going to end well. And, and I and I stopped him from from doing what he ended up doing. And, and he looked at me like I was the craziest person in the world. So what he did is he bought a foreman grill, and he's going to cook his chicken breast. So I don't remember there was maybe like ten or twelve chicken breasts in this bag. So he gets floor out, puts them on the foreman grill in our dorm room, smokes the place up, cooks the chicken, and he does a decent job. Cooks all the way through. He eats two of them there, so he's got two left. So he takes the cooked chicken breast and puts them back in the bag with the raw chicken breast oh. and puts them back in the fridge. <laughs> and I said, I said, what are you doing? And he goes, well, I'll eat those tomorrow. It's fine. I said, but you put them in there with the raw chicken. He's like, yeah, it's fine. And I was like, no, 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 How? that's not fine. How is that fine? He's like, have you ever heard of salmonella? <laughs> and he's like, no, what's that? He's like, no, is he a luchador? <laughs> Is this guy a Branch Davidian? I mean, how did he... That's just common sense. He was from Michigan. I don't know if that makes a no, difference. No, that explains yeah, a that's, lot. That's what, uh, that's what my roommate tried to pull in college. I, that, I was reminded of that story this morning. I mean, that, I had more sense than that. Sorry. I had more sense than that, but before I went off to college, I did get a bit of a crash course, and here's... I think there was like... <laughs> here's where the laundry detergent goes. <laughs> well, there was a little bit of that. Um, but there was also like meal wise, like here's like two or three like go to meals. Like here's just a quick pasta and chicken that's real easy, and here's this and here's this. And so your mom was worried about you a little she? bit. That's great. I mean, I could do basic stuff, but I was never and still I'm not into cooking. Like if it takes longer to make it than it does for me to eat it, I'm pretty much out. <laughs> so I'm not real into the hey, let's Let's prepare this and marinate this and do it. Let's, it's an all day affair. No, not at all. Not interested whatsoever. Uh, no, that story reminded me something that, honestly, since we both went to uh, NFLU, probably happened maybe in the same building as. It's the, so weird. It's yeah. Odd coincidences. Really Which is. one of you roomed with Danielle Manning? <laughs> 
I, I actually did a uh, project with him Whoa. in a class. <laughs> well, let's hear that. <laughs> it's a good, good thing that football worked out for him. <laughs> oh, no. Let's just put it this way. On that team, I was the one going all pro. <laughs> all right. And he was riding the bench. Um, no, but I don't remember what holiday it was. It wasn't a long break, but we had like a long weekend or something where we were out of school for out of the dorm for like three or four days. And, um, so you're back home. Yeah. No, well this occurred at the dorm. The day we left, I had gone out with my roommate at the time. We'd gone to a fine establishment in the key city called uh, little Panda. It's barbecue joint. No, it's not a barbecue joint. Sounds awesome. But here's the thing about little Panda. They give you a ton of food for very little money, which is why it's very popular for the college kid. Makes sense. So I eat about half of it, go back to the dorm, put it in the dorm fridge, pack up, don't think about it again, go home. I come back four days later, and it's late. I'm unpacking my stuff, and I'm like, it's been in the fridge. It's four days. It's been in the fridge. I'm it's gonna probably ro- right at the statute of limitations. I'm uh. going to roll the dice on this. So I get it out. I start eating it. It doesn't taste great, but it's food. I'm about probably about seven, eight bites in. And my roommate comes in. And he opens up the fridge. And he grabs his little carton of milk. And he starts walking out. I was like, dude, where are you going? He's like, oh, I'm going to go dump this out. The power was out for like three days while we were gone. Oh, <laughs> oh no. no. I have not been that sick oh in a long time. So how bad was your diarrhea? Dude. Wow, that's was, powerful. It was bad, man. So I guess you didn't have any money to go buy anything else. No, not... not Being in college. <laughs> no, not at that you know, time. You know, the uh, the Taco Bell in Abilene had an E. coli episode. We had... It wasn't... Was it E. coli? It was a Jack in the Box at Stephen F. Austin. Hepatitis. <laughs> And, what? and they didn't. That's, um, that's like you have to take an ad in the newspaper for that one. They, they didn't close the location itself, but this happened while I was in school there, and <laughs> nobody went there. Like the place was open. You would never see a car other than the employees there after that happened there. Just the hep, hep <laughs> yeah, C. It was just <laughs> the students that already had hepatitis. Yeah. Like, hey, <laughs> what are you going to do? I'll have four tacos. <laughs> you never, never have to wait. The uh, the the Jack or the uh, Taco Bell had an E. coli break breakout, and it's actually funny. It's not the not the chicken guy, but one of his really good friends. So four people ate there. Three of them got really sick with E. coli, and oh. one didn't. But they all ate the same thing. And this guy, to this day, swears it was because he put hot sauce on his, and nobody <laughs> so else so dumb, and that it killed the bacteria. That's so stupid. <laughs> And he's that's that's a, like he shoot thinks did, that that's what happened. Did he play cornerback for the Bears ever? <laughs> did he appear in a Pro Bowl? Um, <sighs> speaking of college and just monetary desperation, <laughs> did you get, did you guys ever pay for anything and change because you had nothing else? I've never been that destitute. And I usually just throw my change in the trash. <laughs> I had to do it twice. I had to do it one time to get home. I had no money, and I was driving home for the weekend, and I think I was just, I didn't want to ask my parents for money for some reason. I wanted to make it on my own. But <laughs> I, had a bunch, I had a bunch of, yeah, I had a bunch of change, and I had like, there's no way I had enough gas to make the drive home. And this was in the day and age where gas was only like 80 cents a gallon. But I had enough change, and like this, whatever big souvenir cup that I had because all my cups are free that I have then and now. I had like $10 worth of change and I put $10 worth of gas in my car and I just went up to the clerk and I had this cup full of change and I just set it down. And she just looks at me like, what am I supposed to do with that? And I just told her, I was I swear to God, there's $10 worth of change in there and you can keep the cup. And she was just like, okay. <laughs> Then, then she scrapes off like the first layer and oh, it's all yeah. Skittles underneath. <laughs> Man, should have thought of that then. Because she did not count it. Maybe she did at some point, but she didn't then. I was like, I'm telling you, there's 10 bucks in there. And if there's any extra, you could keep it. 
<laughs> That's really funny. I can't believe they let you get away with that. Well, you know, you pump the gas first, so I've kind of kind of got leverage in that situation. Like you can take this. You're pretty much holding all the cards at this yeah, point. You could take this or you could take nothing and nobody's coming after me for stealing $10 <laughs> worth of gas. Not even in Nacogdoches, Texas. To say, but if you're in Philadelphia and you're just a black guy in yeah. Starbucks sitting in a chair, they they'll arrest you. And you can pretty much hold up a Texaco. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I saw a follow-up article to that story that just made me, I don't know if it made me laugh. It's just, this is a very serious topic. The world we live in. It did make me laugh a little bit. Just the visual. It was the day after, and there were protesters and activists that are in that Starbucks. And there's a guy who's an activist. I forgot what his name was. And he's got a, uh, it's not that kid that from the, School shooting. What's his name? Hogue? No, it's not David Hogg. Okay, he wasn't there. <laughs> He's got a... He's everywhere. <laughs> He's like, I just happen to be having a cup of coffee in here. I don't know what happens. <laughs> the, guy, the activist walks in, and there's just a, there's a picture, and it's the activist with like a... What's it called? A megaphone? Sure. He's got a megaphone inside, and he's talking through <laughs> Talking through it, and the guy he was demanding the termination of the guy who called the police on the two guys that were arrested. I don't know if the guy he was talking to was that guy, but the Starbucks surely that guy got the day off at least. The Starbucks employee has just the most blank, what the f is going on look on his face while this guy with a megaphone is talking like three inches from him demanding that so, this employee be terminated. So if you're the employee, do you double down there and call the police again? <laughs> I don't... This has been talked about, and the reasons why the police were called and they were arrested, I think it's a separate conversation, but the idea that you have this huge company that some dildo teenager working behind the counter can affect their stock price right, bring by, to its knees yeah yeah is just ridiculous yes i agree with that and, and that's i i'm not providing an opinion on any other part of the story because i wasn't there and because that wouldn't be interesting for the podcast at all if no you not at all i just want to talk about <laughs> the guy protesting two inches from this guy's <laughs> face with unnecessary megaphone <laughs> indoors <laughs> Oh, demanding I, the termination of a guy who probably makes $11 an hour, if that. Yeah, but hey, if you work at Starbucks, you get benefits. So I didn't, I didn't it's think the world we, were, we live in. We were going to go into protesting talk, but did you see the article about that guy? I just pulled it up. David Buckle. <laughs> who, oh, the attorney that set himself on to, fire? decided to protest environmental issues by setting himself... <laughs> that has to be like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, and we've all, I don't know. Well, we've all been there. We've all <laughs> contemplated it. This guy wanted to kill himself anyway. Exactly. And he's just going to mask it in, I'm protesting fossil fuels. Exactly. But if you've ever watched, maybe after Fixer Epper, you catch one of those tiny house shows, and you can see the people at the end of the show just have instant regret when they're <laughs> sitting in their tiny house. This guy had to have that. Like, as soon as he lit the match, it's like, Oh, this wasn't worth it. <laughs> so do you picture do you picture that Rage Against the Machine album cover, but it's Job <laughs> <laughs> just saying I've made a huge mistake. Exactly. <laughs> what a great reference. Somebody needs to Photoshop that. <laughs> I might uh we can probably cover tweet, tweet that from the company cover account. of some kind. Oh, that's wow. great. All right, well, so we're not a wrestling podcast. We're not we're, a wrestling podcast. Let's, but talk, let's talk about wrestling. We did have a we did have a superstar shakeup this week. We big, did. Big moment for me is my favorite wrestler, The Miz, is headed to Tuesday nights. SmackDown Live. Ultimately, do you think they're setting up the Miz versus Daniel Bryan for WrestleMania next year? I think so. I I, I hope that they can drag it out that long. I can't see how they in can. In the instant gratification world we live in, I I almost bet they won't, but boy, it would be great if they could drag it out. Because they were already, I don't know if you saw the main event, but they were already sowing the seeds as he's out there trying to do the yes chant with the crowd, and it's all setting up perfect. And listen, not that I didn't want to go anyways, but if that's happening at Mania, 
Money's no object. I'm on team Daniel Bryan. So well, it's because you look exactly like him. <laughs> That's a good point. Yes. I'm yes. Daniel Bryan, a foot taller. Maybe like more if, than that. If Daniel Bryan had a twin brother that was a foot taller <laughs> and had no fear of airplanes, it's you. Glenn is new to modern wrestling, but along those lines, do you know Daniel Bryan's wife is the twin sister of John Cena's wife? Is that ex-wife now? Because didn't they split? I think they just got together. Cena? Cena and is it Nikki Bella? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're splitting. Really? I, I missed that. Oh, I thought they just got together. They Breaking did. news. Well, uh, I'm sure they did, and <laughs> metaphorically <laughs> and literally, but they are, they are now separated. Did she, did she get with the entire New Day as well? <laughs> or she might get my stories confused. Well, Bobby Lashley made his return in more than one way. She wanted a guy who can fit a headband around something other than his arm. <laughs> I thought, I thought we, we were, were going somewhere we were, else. We were really, we were really close. We were this close oh, to the earning the explicit rating there. <laughs> Go in and change the RSS feed to add the E for explicit. But yeah, lots of uh, well. I mean, because I've been following it for all of four weeks. <laughs> four weeks, yeah. There, there's not a whole lot of changes for me because I didn't follow the previous no, year. No, I think the the uh, insider writers think that the better the better rosters now on SmackDown, but Elias is still on Raw, so I'm going to disagree with that. I firmly right there with and you. And he had a great he had a great gimmick Monday night. He decided the the uh, blonde interview chick. I don't know what her name is. Oh but, yeah, I forget her name. Uh, he decided to try to play a private concert for her. <laughs> really? I got to go <laughs> and, back and watch that. Uh, she was having none of it and uh, just basically walked away. <laughs> oh, it, no. It was another layer to his character that I was a big fan yeah. of. Yeah. Did we mention that uh, I think maybe Glenn was the first one to alert us to this, that Elias on Twitter was out on Bourbon Street like <laughs> Tuesday yeah. at like 2 a.m.? <laughs> Like like several days after WrestleMania was still in New Orleans, walking around playing guitar on Bourbon Street. I really hope, as we lead up to next spring, that his popularity and presence continues to emerge to where he's in a, a match with some meaning. Yeah, that would be great. That would be huge for the podcast and for me personally because I'm definitely <laughs> I'm anchored to that guy right there. Well, I'm worried that they're currently setting up him to just get absolutely demolished by a very large African-American man. <laughs> it's already happened more than once. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's about to happen again, I'm afraid. So we are we fired up for uh, the greatest Royal Rumble show? I, I think so. Yeah, I, I think considering that it's in Saudi Arabia. Okay, so that's my first question. Why are they doing this in Saudi Arabia? Dude, my guess would be it's a cash grab of all cash grabs. Yeah, Dude. because they're pulling out all the stops for this. Well, the rumor is that Saudi Arabia's government is basically paying for everything. Yeah, like hotel, flights, arena setup, and like I mean, it's they're basically free rolling the entire show and just making money off of it. But they're sending everybody over there. So everybody, see any see any women's matches on that card? Oh wow! Well, good point. Well, there is not a single women's match, and they the rumor is the only female person on the roster that's even going to travel is probably Stephanie because she's corporate. Well, so Ronda's not going. I don't think Ronda's. You don't be think there. they could sneak? Nia Jackson there <laughs> in the men's Royal Rumble. <laughs> Boy, if you need someone to fill an airplane window. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that would have been a story. <laughs> Is that the engine blew, the window opened, <laughs> and Nia Jax just said, Oh no. Not on my watch. <laughs> just puts the hand up. And they're like, Should we descend the plane? She's like, There'll be no descending of the plane. We will land at our destination. <laughs> Also, indeed, because someone died. No, yes, indeed. Uh, I didn't. No, I didn't think about that though. But you're actually right. There is not a women's match on the card because that would pretty much culturally cause a riot, or that probably would have been a deal breaker, right? They're not going to pay. Oh, they they wouldn't let them know. So this is not the time you take a stand for women's equality when you're dealing with the Saudi. No, they'd have to dress like the <laughs> Imperial Guards for Darth Vader. So how do you think that Alexa Bliss would look in a burqa? <laughs> 
And would it be sexy for you? <laughs> she she looked good in anything. Oh, so man. what if Rousey came out in one, but then she had like the hot rod jacket over the outside of it? <laughs> could be pretty could be pretty interesting though. I guess security's not a problem in Saudi Arabia, is it? I mean, I the know. fact that they're funding this whole thing and all that, no. Because, man, if anything bad were to happen, we'd, we'd have a pretty big void to fill there. I'll tell you this. <laughs> Someone takes a shot at Elias. I'll Is help, he going over there? I'll help paint the lines. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be over there mixing the bucket. <laughs> Stirring uh, the paint. So... Uh, Speaking of wrestling, one thing we did not get to last week was a little discussion on the Andre the Giant documentary. Yes. One main reason was because one-third of the podcast had just decided not to watch it. So how beaten is this? We're recording today. I don't know if you guys know this. (laughs) (laughs) So we were were having our little pre-show group text earlier today where we get our minds right with things. And um, I watched the slightly over an hour documentary on my phone during lunch at work today. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I closed the door to my office, got my sandwich from home. Actually, my wife sent me with hot dogs today. <laughs> so ironically, I'm not saying I watched Andre the Giant video while eating a hot dog. <laughs> so what'd you think of it? Oh, it was great. I, I, I enjoyed it. it. I mean, there wasn't... Nothing was on there that I didn't probably already know or have some awareness of. So I wasn't, it wasn't like a shocking revelation or anything, but as a, as a kid, I mean, I was right there as far as him being an attraction and being just totally obsessed with getting to see him. Cause, cause Vince was very protective of putting him on TV when he, even when he was in the WWF, you, you had to pretty much order a pay-per-view if you wanted to see him wrestle. Now he was wrestling all the time, non-televised, but it wasn't. It was a very rare treat to see him on TV. I was kind of with you on like most of the big stories and that kind of thing it, I had heard. But a lot of the footage, because you didn't know the, he had a three wheeler. <laughs> no, I I'd actually seen that before. Um, he kind of looked like you ever seen the Guinness Book of World Records, like the fattest twins that are on the, <laughs> yeah, s- the motorcycles. <laughs> he did look like that. No, but. We, when we became accustomed to seeing him, he was already declining as far as his mobility and stuff. So, like the old footage when he was still thin and oh, was like yeah. able to do something. I was oh, like, and he was wow. jumping and stuff. Yeah, yeah. he was oh, able yeah. to. Like, he wasn't always holding the ropes. Like he was moving around. I was like, man, I would have gone crazy to see that when I was a kid. So I, I remember watching him as a kid, but I don't remember specifically if he made it. Because he went to all the local circuits. So, like, the one here was the world-class world, championship. Yeah, CCW, yeah. Was he, was he ever part of that? I don't remember anything specific. I don't specifically. think he made a swim through there, or if he did, it was before I was wrestling aware. Because one thing that definitely stood out was they showed several, some brief clips, some extended of things that, that um, had Andre the Giant in it featured him and one of them was a Saturday morning cartoon that I watched I watched that too. every <laughs> single Saturday it was amazing do you remember the one where they were all trying to go to space at no but if you don't proceed I'm quitting the podcast <laughs> they were like so the characters I remember on the show were definitely Andre Hogan yeah Hillbilly Jim and Junkyard Dog I remember okay, those definitely. four and they were basically the plot of this episode was Andre the Giant had to lose weight so he was under the weight limit to go into space and they had him working out at Junkyard Dog who in the cartoon owned a junkyard. Well, of course he did. And he was like having to move like cars and tires from one end to the other and then the culmination, I mean, I, I can't remember, I can't believe I remember this much about it, but the culmination was he gets on the scale and he's a little too heavy still. Mm. And then they reach in his pocket and pull out like sandwiches and hot dogs <laughs> that he just had stuffed in there. And then he made weight. Is it, 
I'm looking at notes I made from when I watched it. Is it like the most French thing ever that his first name translated to the great fairy? <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. And then other things I pointed out, one of the guys that, that he wrestled, I don't know if this was when Vince was in charge or before that, but they tried to get somebody who was almost equal in size, and they found a guy who was dubbed by the name Big John Stud. I'm familiar with his work. He's like 6'10". Yeah. And basically left the ring and went back to the locker room and said, that guy's going to kill me. <laughs> and that's true. I've heard, I've, I've read and heard that story that, that anytime they would bring somebody in that was even close in stature to him, that he would immediately do whatever he could to get them run out and would, as they say in uh, wrestling, take liberties in the ring <laughs> until they, uh, they would quit or leave. They, uh, there's actually a lot of stories about that that uh, Andre could be, uh, if he didn't like you, he could be pretty, take a lot of liberties in the ring and was kind of like a jerk in that fashion. Like people don't like to talk about it, but yeah. was, that's kind of how he was. Yeah, if he felt threatened at all. Yeah. And I think a lot of it was just him wanting to show all these other guys that thought they were tough guys that in a in a shoot fight who who could really do some damage he also loved to fart <laughs> that was a funny <laughs> that whole scene when you have Vince McMahon the CEO of like a billion dollar company being like <laughs> talking about the flaps right <laughs> the reverberations and Hulk Hogan talking about it as well and saying the Hulk Hogan say that they would be on like a private jet and the pilots would be like, we're never flying again. If he's on the plane, <laughs> we and can't see Hogan was getting like emotional just talking about him. Oh yeah. Cause I mean, in a lot of ways, Andre really made Hogan into the megastar. See, and I, I didn't watch it. I've never seen the match to this day, but WrestleMania three, I can remember oh, just that happening. And as a kid, I don't know if it was days later, weeks later or whatever, but just the news spreading around that Hogan beat him. And the, the thing that stood out to me back then was that he body slammed him. It's impressive. And that's like, no no way. It's <laughs> one of the most iconic moments in the history of wrestling and, and I, in one of the most famous matches of all time. And I love the way that Hogan described it, that the first however part, much of it was, it went exactly as Hogan had scripted. And then they were kind of ad-libbing, which to me, I know that goes on, but to hear them talk about it... It went on a lot more back then than it does now. Yeah, sure. it's kind of... I mean, that's, that's pretty fascinating, because you have to be great at it, or it's going to be obvious that you're looking at each other like, I don't know what to do, type of thing. But that he... They did whatever, and then he slammed him, and then he gave him either verbally, or gave him some kind of signal to do the leg drop... Yeah, and that Hogan said that he thought that he would pin him and then he would you yeah, know, pop out. up or kick out. Right, but then he didn't. So I'm mean, even just watching it as you watch the documentary. You know, if Hogan doesn't know that and he's got him pinned, he think he's going to kick out, but then he doesn't. Yeah. He has to have the immediate reaction of <laughs> the ecstasy or whatever of victory and not be like, "Oh wait, what am I supposed to do now?" <laughs> type of thing. Yeah, no, that was really cool hearing the re the recounting of that. And back in the day, it's very different now, but back then, being the world champion meant that you made a lot more money in in wrestling. So even though the outcomes were staged, people didn't like to damage their one-loss records because being able to have the championship meant that you got to get booked in a lot more matches because they got basically got paid per day. There was no contracts. There was yeah. no, you know, the way that it works now is that everybody's on these, you know, guaranteed, you know, more like salary deals and they're out there and they'll do whatever because it's just a show. So it's like when, what's his name? Jihad something that walked out on <laughs> Raw and then Jeff Hardy walks out and takes takes his belt takes like his immediately. Belt immediately yeah <laughs> he's six and a half minutes into raw he's already lost his championship yeah there yeah that he worked so hard for at wrestlemania no there was none of that but back then they were all independent contractors they're they're getting paid per night they're they're on the hook they had to pay for their own road expenses they had to pay for their own costumes i mean you know everything that they did they were self-funding they were they were all running their own businesses so yeah if if you're a big guy and they want you to get a take a clean loss to somebody else you know people wouldn't do that and that was what andre was famous for too is you know 
and that's what Hogan was saying. He didn't, he didn't lose. And, and he could have yeah. said that there. I, I know I'm not losing, you know, and you know, Hogan's thinking, man, if he lets me body slam him, that's all I need. Like I'll, I'll lose the match, but I've got that. And then the right. fact that he went ahead and, you know, saw the bigger picture and, and let him, you know, let him win. The well, he certainly is, didn't have to. Back then, they also didn't, especially the world title, they didn't switch it much. I think Hogan had it for like four years in the you know, right. later half of the 80s. Right. So, I mean, yeah. once you got it, that was a big deal. His matches were all, they're not all the same, but, <laughs> but they're they pretty My recollection is, yeah, you come out, it goes back and forth. And then he gets beat he hulk, up. And hulks he's, up. He's almost done. He's just—he's basically a dead body. And then all of a sudden, that hand starts twitching, and that arm starts raising up in, in the, the air. Shake. And then I'm—I'm I'm jumping off my couch, and pelvic thrusting, just waiting for him to take two punches and then point at him. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, what did you guys think of some of the cast of characters they brought in to discuss the life and times of Andre F. Dave Meltzer? <laughs> Dave Dave Meltzer's got some big old guns though for an old guy. I didn't know that. He must he must do a lot of curls. Yeah, f that guy. I thought it was funny though. Is is they drug poor Ric Flair out there, and pretty much the only cuts they used about him were when he was talking about Andre's penu- his dong, penusity, his penal size. He was like, "Well, he wore size twenty four shoes. What else do you want me to say?" So I have a note about that because I actually did more research about Andre the Giant than I did the, Waco. The nude search. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not do Andre the Giant nude. Um, but the Ric Flair interview, he also mentioned that he, Ric Flair said that he drank one night with Andre the Giant, and Andre the Giant drank 106, 106 beers, beers, which is an oddly specific number, but... Eh, Might remember it if it yeah, was... if it was really 106. stuff of legend. Um, but that interview where he talked about that, and they, they looked like they were at some... I don't remember. It seemed like they were at some kind of bar or at whatever. hospice facility. Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. Not really funny. But um, I listened... Bill Simmons was like the executive producer for this. So part of his... One of his recent podcasts was, a, was about that. He talked with the guy who directed this. And the day that they interviewed Ric Flair, later that night was when he had... His health issues last year essentially began... And he was rushed to the hospital. Oh my goodness! So if he had not pulled through, if he that, had not kicked out on two, that would have been the last interview ever of Ric Flair. It, it, his last interview was talking about Andre the Giant's tongue. <laughs> it would have been here his last words. He had a size twenty four <laughs> shoe. Whatever, whatever, whatever else do you need to know? Woo! <laughs> how uh, how insane! Is that picture of Andre holding the beer can, and like, oh, it, yeah. like his whole hand covers it? It's <laughs> like with it's your like little, little mini. mini. It's not even this with the mini can <laughs> with here. The mini Pepsi. This is still not a good metaphor for it. That like it's crazy how or Mean Gene putting like three or four of his fingers inside of his ring. Yeah, <laughs> Dude. Mean Gene, he's he's still alive. No, it looked yeah. like if that's his house, it looked like he's doing pretty well. Oh, he's doing fine. Yeah, he looked like things are going okay for old Mean Gene. If you ever, and some of them are actually pretty funny. That on the WWE Network they have a uh, a show called Story Time, and it's basically guys <laughs> generically titled. Yeah, it's basically guys telling like stories from the road. Like basically, the Andre the Giant drinking story might be on there, but it's uh, hosted by Mean Gene, so he's still doing. Doing no, things with he, the company. He's he's held it together well, and you know they had, of course, Vince and Shane, Pat Patterson, all the all the behind the scenes players. Man, it it was good. Are are we skipping to the end? Because the skip wherever you want. Oh, go ahead. Little little sad. Ended on a sad note. I felt like when his handler oh, yeah. buddy was sad that he wasn't there at the end. And yeah, I felt like they could have laid it out a little different. I hated well, that was the last thing. And the idea that it started out as, hey, here's this huge guy, and he liked to go party and drink, and he could drink this, that, or the other, and that quickly changed to, well, yeah, because he was in like, yeah, intense <laughs> and immense amounts of pain, and he was just drinking all that just to mask it, just to get through the day. Yeah. And that's like the thing, like, you know, they've mentioned it several times, that the world just isn't built for someone that size and then you think like the most uncomfortable you ever are is having to travel like on airplanes and that kind of stuff and that's literally what he did 
you know, 320 days a year. Yeah. And all those flights to Japan, I just can't even imagine. And in he, in he couldn't fit in the bathroom on the plane. No, and there was even... They would do the bucket. <laughs> they would just pull a they curtain. They would do that. And other things that in my other research that I did... Did you read um, about the bathtub? Allegedly, when he would go to hotels, the, the toilet couldn't occupy him. Yeah. So he would basically have to just... Drop his old taco casa on a blanket or a towel of some kind, and then the hotel staff would come and wrap it up and dispose of it. You think there's a uh, hotel worker here or there? I like. I, I, I didn't sign up for this so much. Well, no, I, I was waiting for the guy with the <laughs> megaphone to come in. He's like, "Yeah, fire me right now." I read a story that was similar, but. And the one I was reading, he was at least decent enough that he would put the blanket in the bathtub and then sit over the bathtub. Yeah, they didn't go through all the logistics. <laughs> it was just the fact that I'm the, sure there was a few. The toilet would the toilet would just crack like just the you know the weakest piece of porcelain ever <laughs> if he actually just sat on it. Man, the the only thing that happened in there that I didn't know was I didn't know he had a kid. I didn't know that either. And we got to meet her. We did. She had she a lot of tattoos. She looks a lot like him. Yeah. <laughs> She's kind of like a cross between him and Nia Jax, actually, <laughs> with a few more tattoos. Yeah, a few more. But and, and she didn't seem to have much of a relationship with him. No, I wonder. It said he left his estate to her. That was what it said in the text at the end. I wonder what, I wonder what he actually was worth or had um, to his name. Because, I mean, that was kind of in a day and age when... The money wasn't great. I mean, I'm sure he did no, fine, but it wasn't. I feel like whether it's something that's going to be shared or broadcasted, I feel like Vince McMahon would make sure that his estate or his daughter was taken care of. Yeah. They say that about Vince, though, that he he takes care of people a lot behind the scenes that have either been injured or perceived to have been wronged by the business. So I think he actually, despite what he may appear, is actually a pretty upstanding guy in those ways and i didn't know that their relationship had gone kind of sideways at the end but it sounded like that they weren't exactly on speaking terms oh, andre and vince yeah. yeah he was very emotional when talking about him though very much so yes because I, I think that's a situation too where he probably figured there would be time for them to work it out and then he was gone you know because that, that's happened with a lot of guys over the years is that they've had real bad flame outs and then later on of patched it up and obviously didn't get an opportunity to do that with the giant. So back to the Ric Flair story, there's no way Andre the giant had quite the, uh, tally marks as a Ric Flair, right? No. I mean, like, Ric Flair was like every night. And that has Ric Flair to, has like the Wilt Chamberlain type. Yeah. Numbers. But, I could see people being curious, but then, like, it's it's like when you're a kid and you really want to go on a roller coaster, but then once you get to the front of the line, you're like, "Whoa, I don't know if I I want to do this anymore." <laughs> that had to have happened to him, right? Yeah. And who was the who was the wrestler that legitimately believed that he had two hearts? <laughs> oh yeah, who was that? No, I don't. I remember hearing that, but I don't remember. Yeah, I was, no, I can't. Re- I had to written that down. The other note that I uh, made for my other research, and I don't know if you guys caught this. I don't have the answer, so I'm seeing if you guys have the answer. But apparently, during the course of the interviews, I don't know which wrestler or representative of wrestling as part of the documentary that this was true of, but one of the people interviewed in the documentary. During the interview, they're participating in the interview, and there's an oil painting in the background of them in the exact same outfit that they're currently wearing in the interview. So I don't know if y'all picked up on that. I was watching it on my phone, man. I didn't know there there was anything in the background. That might be something I need to look at offline. That could be a follow-up item for next week. I I would love to see that. I didn't pick up on that. But that was brought up in the the other thing I was listening to, but they didn't share who it was. No, I'd like to go back and revisit it. The guy that directed it and put it all together said, yeah, if you go back and watch it again, there's a guy, and I don't know if it's like prominent in the (laughs) background. He's wearing the exact same thing. Yeah, but it's one of the the people from WWE, WWF, and 
yeah, they're, they're, there's an oil painting of them in the exact same outfit that they're wearing at the time that they're being interviewed. I'll have to check that out. That's really funny. Uh, yeah, I missed that. So, anything else on Andre, gentlemen? Um, I not from not from this guy. Not from this guy. No, he was. Uh, I don't know. I feel like you know, a lot of wrestlers have come that and gone that they've tried to bill as you know giants, the Great Kali, Big Show, but Andre, man, just like everything about him was different. Like just the, you know, the size of his hands, like his, and I know they joked about him having, they would tell people he had two rows of teeth, but like when you looked in his mouth, like it looked like he had more teeth. than Well, and the way his, his voice was all jumbled, like he had the Quincy <laughs> Carter yak tongue in there. He might have. You could, I mean, I think that's, you know, yeah, could be plausible. No, he just had like, I mean, he was just like a real true to, True freak of nature, like just everything about well, him. Well, that, that's a term that offends me. Well, I'm sorry, but it's, <laughs> he it's was factual. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of some kind of... Uh, We're going to have to close down our podcast and do sensitivity training. <laughs> yeah, on May 29th, we'll be closed from <laughs> noon to six. <laughs> Bedding Taylor Swift Every night inside the Oculus Rift After Mr. and the Mrs. Finished dinner and the dishes